This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. God put compassion in the heart of the little of the princess for the little baby. God gave the princess the impulse to defy her father who had vowed to kill all the Jewish children. God gave Moses' sister the idea to suggest finding a Jewish nurse to care for the baby. God brought Moses, baby Moses, back to the safety of his mother. God made Moses to be trained in Egypt's palace. She couldn't see any of that. She couldn't see any of that. Finally, the fateful day comes. It's come now. The day when she's going to commit her baby to the river And she walks to the river, and we can imagine her looking at the scene in front of her. A beautiful sky. I don't know. I imagine there's wind blowing. And it's a beautiful sky. It's a great river. We call it the Nile River. It's not called the Nile River in in the Bible. It's just the river because there's only the river in Egypt. It's the river that's so important because the whole country lives from the river. The Nile flows through Egypt. It's a large river. It's average of two miles wide. It's a very large river. And wherever the river goes, life comes. Life comes into an otherwise desert of death. Egypt is a desert of death, except for the river. The Nile brings the water of life. It brings the water of life for people to drink in the desert of death. It brings the water, it brings life by bringing the fish for the people to eat. It overflows its banks. It makes lush fruits and vegetables to grow in abundance. Egypt is a great country because the Nile, simply called the river, and she sees this river, and she sees the greatness of it. The wind is blowing over it. Maybe there's some small white caps on the water as she's looking out, and she's thinking, what a beautiful river. And then we see these dense flags, these these reeds growing along the edge of the river. And she bends over, and she lays the ark down in the reeds by the edge of the river. We can imagine her thinking, what was in her mind at that time? The river has brought life to the desert. I hope somehow this river will bring life to my son. 
as she gently puts the, puts the baby at the river's edge. How could she do that? How could she not go out of her mind? How could, she, how could the mother of Moses put her child into a river's edge and keep her sanity? There's only one way. He had to be talking to God. She had to be talking to God as she did this. She had to say something along the lines of, most see a great river with all its dangers, with its currents that could topple this ark and destroy my baby, crocodiles that could just eat them in a moment. I don't see that. I don't see a river. I'm bending over to put my baby, no, not in the river. I'm bending over to put my baby in the hands of God. And I see myself putting my baby into the hands of God. So she committed her baby to God. And she let go of her baby and trusted God. That's an illustration for each one of us as parents. That what we must do with our children is to look at this mother placing her baby into the hands of God as she put it into the river's edge and say, that's what I will do with my children, each one of them. I'll put them into the hands of God. Just think of how happy she was when his sister brought him back to her again at the command of the daughter, at the command of the princess, and Moses was returned to lie again on her breast. The beauty of this moment was that when she could say, oh God, when I put my baby in the river into your hands, and now I got him back again, it's because you gave him back to me. That's an illustration for us, how we should never, ever, lose the appreciation of what we give to the Lord that he will return to us either directly or indirectly. Faith often receives back from God what is given to God. Now, she returns home, but her daughter stays behind. I'm not even sure she knows her daughter's there. It says there in verse four, her, her sister, his sister, stood at a distance to find out what would happen to him. Okay, So Moses' sister, who's Miriam, probably about 14 years old, probably around 14 years old. Think of how brave she is. Think of how brave she is to sit there and watch what would happen. She's too curious to return home like Moses' mother, so she stands by to see what's going to happen to her brother. Such an amazing scene here of, of baby Moses in a little waterproof basket among the river weeds. Just think of how different the world history would have been if that little boat had drifted away. <laughs> Think of how God accomplishes his purpose, his great works through a baby in an ark, precariously floating on a river's edge. This is going to become the great deliverer from Egypt through a baby in a manger where there's no room for him in any inn. This is going to become the great savior of the world, the Messiah, through a man on a cross on a hill called Skull. Calvary? He's going to be the great savior of man? God says yes. Because God loves to use little things, small things that become big things, like the, like the cloud the size of a man's hand. The size of a man's hand that became a great storm in 1 Kings 18.44. 1 Kings 18.44, it came to pass at the seventh time that he said, behold, there ariseth a little cloud out of the sea, like a man's hand. And he said, go up, say unto Ahab, prepare thy chariot and get thee down, that the rain stop thee, not, stop thee not. God is the God of the little cloud, the size of a man's hand, that becomes a great storm. 
And what all this teaches us is not to despise the day of small things. That's what it says in Zechariah 4.10, Zechariah 4.10. Who hath despised the day of small things? Just think of this insignificant beginning for this great man, Moses, a cradle floating unattended in the river. And now think of the insignificant end also of this great man, Moses, as he was buried in some unmarked grave on Mount Nebo. He starts out his life unattended in a cradle floating in the river. He ends his life unattended except by God in both cases in an unmarked grave on Mount Nemo. He's the greatest, one of the greatest men who ever lived. That's an illustration. That's an illustration for us of Hebrews 11.36. Hebrews 11.36 says, Others had trial of cruel mockings, scourgings, yea, moreover of bonds, imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn asunder. They were tempted. They were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains, dens, caves of the earth, and these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. This little phrase, the world was not worthy. They were removed out of the world because God saw that the world wasn't good enough for them. They were better. Okay, now, here comes the princess, and she's coming now to the river to wash herself. And we read in verse 6, and she sees the baby, and she, see, she reads in verse 6, and when she opened it, she saw the baby, and behold, the baby wept. And she had compassion on him, and she said, this is one of the Hebrew's children. Now, she thinks that this is one of the babies that her father has ordered to be killed. But she has this compassion. She has this impulse. She has this decision to defy her father. It's really believed that, that she didn't have any children of her own. And at this time, it's also believed that Pharaoh himself had no son. Eighty years later, he'll have a son that'll be killed on the Passover night. But at this point, he didn't have a son. And so she adopts Moses to be her son. And Moses became first in line to become the king of Egypt. He was going to be the next pharaoh. And Moses was trained to be the next pharaoh. And, 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 and just think of how Pharaoh's wicked plans were broken by his own daughter, who causes him to raise and educate, as I mentioned, the very one who's going to crush him in Egypt. So the mother of Moses had been forced to forsake Moses in the river. Princess takes up Moses. What an illustration of Psalm 2710. Psalm 2710, when David said, when my mother and father forsake me, she didn't want to, but she had to. When my mother and father forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. I was sinking deep in sin. Love lifted me. There is a scene here of this princess in holding baby Moses. And then with no fear, 14-year-old Miriam steps out of hiding with this bold question. Talk about chutzpah. <laughs> she steps out there and she says, then said in verse 7, verse 7, then said his sister to Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and call to thee a nurse of the Hebrew women that she may nurse the child for thee? I mean, what she was saying here, she's only 14, what boldness. She's got nerve. She says, excuse me, princess, I'm a Hebrew, and I know you just found a Hebrew baby. Well, you know, Hebrew babies need breast milk from Hebrew mothers. You know that, don't you? So now it's not going to be easy, but um, I don't know. With my contacts, I might be able to find a Hebrew woman. I'm not sure. No promises. 
that could nurse this baby, but if you were to commission me, maybe a little money wouldn't hurt. Anyway, I'll search. I promise you, princess, I'll search high and low. I'll call for you. I'll find for you the, some Hebrew woman. I'll find her. <laughs> the princess has no idea that this is the baby's sister. <laughs> and the mother, She has no idea. And Miriam probably did make a little money on there. Okay, good for her. Not bad for a 14-year-old girl. She's got a future. But what it shows here, she's brave. She was very brave. And this shows the integral part that the 14-year-old Miriam played in Moses' life. And she's only 14. She's brave. She's got the spirit of Esther. If I perish, I perish. She's the Hadassah also. But when Miriam was not going to sit at home, and she's not going to just hope that everything's going to be all right, that's not Miriam. She jumped right in. And God placed Miriam in a very high honor, a very high honor. And later on in the book of Micah, God elevates Miriam to such a level in Micah 6.4, Micah 6.4, when he says to Israel, I brought thee out of the land of Egypt and redeemed thee out of the house of servants. I sent before thee Moses. Well, wait a minute. Not just Moses. I sent before thee Moses, Aaron. Well, wait a minute. Not just Moses and Aaron. I sent before thee Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. It says in Micah 6.4, what honor. It's not to say that Miriam and Aaron were perfect. I mean, Miriam, who criticized Moses for marrying the black Ethiopian woman, and as a result, God turned Miriam into a leper. God said to Miriam, Miriam, I understand you like white. We'll make you white as a leper. How's that? <laughs> But Miriam, that was a low point in her life, but she had shining moments. This is one of them. And she had another shining moment, and that was one along the time when after God killed all the Egyptians in the Red Sea, and Miriam stood there again at the brink of a river, not to watch her brother be saved, but to watch dead Egyptians wash up on the shore. And you think she just stood there and say, well, can you imagine that? No, she went out, and she took a timbrel in hand, and she created she created a song that we have re recorded for us, and it's a victory song. That was Miriam, Hadassah. And then it was not that not that Aaron was perfect either. Aaron was involved in a little matter of a gold making of a golden calf that God was so angry with. God said, "I'm done. I'm going to destroy Israel." Had not Moses intervened, but. That was a low point, but Aaron had a high points also. He was Israel's priest. He was the one who had the rod that budded that you can go see the representation of that showed how God stood with Aaron as that's my chosen man, that's my chosen priest. So with one word, this princess commissions Miriam when she says in verse eight, and Pharaoh's daughter said to her, go. And the maid went and called the, the mother. Can you imagine? <laughs> can you imagine? One word, go. You imagine Miriam, you imagine how fast she ran home? Oh, have I got news? <laughs> Mom, I'm home. <laughs> and she found her mother crying her heart out for the baby. And what do you think she said to her mom? Mom, I got a job for you. <laughs> it pays well. <laughs> How'd you like to be paid to nurse your baby again? Oh boy, did she have news to tell her mom? You imagine the joy and the rejoicing in that home? 
the day when that, when she found out what happened, can you imagine how that phone turned into a house of praise to God? It was a party of praise. But not too long because Miriam says, we got to go, we got to go. We got to rush out there. I told her we'd, I'd find someone. You're the one. So he, she, she rushes out with uh, Miriam. The mom rushes out with Miriam to the princess. Princess says, look, I told you. Now it appears, it just appears that the mother said nothing when she came to the princess. But she gets an order from the princess. And it says in verse 9, Pharaoh's daughter said unto her, take this child away, nurse it for me, and I will give thee thy wages. No words. Just the woman took the child and nursed it. You know, the princess gives the order around here. Take this child away, nurse it for me. And the mother says, yes, ma'am. And now we read this simple statement in verse 9. The woman took the child and nursed it. Just imagine that day. When she returned home with baby Moses there, nursed him, and can you imagine she's nursing and she's saying, drink, boy, drink. Live, boy, live. And then she puts him back in the very same cradle that she took him out of that morning. He hasn't even missed a night in his cradle. Just imagine how she must have thought, when I took him out of the cradle this morning, I thought, I, I thought it'd be forever empty. I had no idea. Just imagine Jacob talking to Joseph. Joseph, I never dreamed I'd see you again. Now I see your children, Ephraim and Manasseh. God has made that baby to return to his very cradle that day. That's the grace of God. What an illustration for us of the truth. What we give to the Lord, he gives back to us. Just like the hymn says, we never can prove the delights of his love until all on the altar we lay. For the favor he shows and the joy he bestows are for them that will trust and obey. So when it says she nursed him, think that's all she did? Think that she just gave him milk? Her milk? She did much more to that. She gave that baby the milk. She fed that baby with the milk of her body and the milk of the word of God. And what would you do if you knew that you only had time with your son until he was weaned and then that was it? What would you do if you had just that limited amount of time like she had with her son until he was weaned? That kid got a crash course, and a crash course on what it means to be a Hebrew. That little guy learned the Hebrew language so that later he could communicate with his Jewish people and even write the first five books of Moses, the Hebrew Bible. It all goes back to the training of his mother. All goes back to the training. She must have sung to that boy Songs of hope, songs of truth about the God of Israel. She must have told that boy all about God's call to Abraham, how God preserved Isaac, how God preserved Jacob, and all the history of how God preserved the Jewish people through Joseph. She must have told that boy about how his people had been guarding for hundreds of years the bones of Joseph, waiting for the day when Joseph made them swear, you will take my bones out of Egypt. She must have told that boy about how God promised that he, that he would be a part of a people that would be as the sand of the sea and the stars of the sky. And even though he's young, this teaching of his mother must have sunk deep into his soul, into his very spirit, so he never forgot, I am not an Egyptian, I'm a Hebrew. And he loved the God of the Hebrews, and that only came from his mother. Just like it was says about Timothy, 
Timothy in 2 Timothy 1.5. Timothy 1.5. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned love that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I persuaded in thee also. Where did he get this? From his grandmother and his mother, Timothy. Timothy. 2 Timothy 3.15. 2 Timothy 3.15. From a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Moses' mother only had that baby until he was weaned. And I bet she took a long time to wean him. What do you think? You know, like our third son, who my wife took three years. But I can imagine how when this princess called for the mother, the mother says, oh, you know, no, no, oh, sorry, ma'am, but we Hebrews would nurse for a long time. It's very important. They have special bodies. They need that. <laughs> now the time has come when he is weaned. And it says in verse 10, the child grew, she brought him unto Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son, and she called his name Moses, for she said, because I drew him out of the water. This is now the second time that the mother has to give up Moses, and she won't see him. The first time she gave up Moses to the river, she didn't see a river, she saw the hands of God. The second time now she's giving up Moses to the daughter of Pharaoh, to the princess, she again does not see the princess, she again sees the hands of God. It's an illustration for us of what it means for us to give our children to God and to have confidence in the future of our children because we have confidence in God. And that's what it says in Proverbs 14, 26. Proverbs 14, 26. In the fear of the Lord is strong confidence, and his children shall have a place of refuge. It's actually the same word. You could say, in the fear of the Lord is a strong refuge, and his children shall have a place of refuge. When we're trusting in God as our refuge, that gives us strong confidence that our children are going to have the same place of refuge that we found for ourselves. And when it says, he became her son, the princess's son, that means that Moses was educated as a leader, he was educated as an army general, and all that was needed in his training so that he, he could lead the army of two million Jewish people out of Egypt. And in a desert for 40 years, he needed that training that he got the best of in Egypt's castle that's referred to in Acts 7.22, Acts 7.22. Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in words and deeds. And the princess names him Moses. In verse 10, she called his name Moses, for she said, because I draw him out of the water. How ironic that apart from Jesus, Moses, the greatest name in history, it's not a Hebrew name. It's an Egyptian name. And it comes from the Egyptian word mesu in the Egyptian language, which means to draw forth. And the reason she gave him the name Moses was because I drew him out of many waters. Just like it says, just like David said twice in 2 Samuel 22, 17. 2 Samuel 22, 17, and also Psalm 18, 16. Psalm 18, 16. He sent from above, he took me, he drew me out of many waters. I was sinking deep in sin. Love lifted me. The name of Moses refers to salvation. Salvation of being saved from water. The name of Jesus refers to salvation, God's Savior. So we look at this passage here, and we see an amazing work of the hovering Spirit of God who took care and saved Moses, our teacher. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for saving little baby Moses and bringing him forth so that he could be your liberator.
In Jesus' name, amen. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program was brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.